Well, hello and good morning, everyone. Yeah, man, I hope you're blessed. My name is Rick, and one of the ministers here. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. You know, there's a, another church across town. A bunch of our members, when First City first started, came from that church. It's called Gateway. They're having a big reunion, a historical family reunion this morning, and so I think uh, quite a few of our members went over there. So we'll see some empty seats today, but that's okay, man. God bless them, and I'm glad they get to go home. It's good going home every now and then, right, and just remembering and celebrating what God has been doing in your life. So for us today, we're starting this new uh, series called Transformed and, uh, and How God Changes Us. And, and it's all about this, this idea that, of what was shared this morning, that God loves us enough to meet us where we are and continue with us long enough to transform us into his image. So Monica, you walked in after Cherish was sharing about you, but she was just saying, uh, man, I love Monica Chambers and I love her uh, Facebook page because it's so encouraging. And then she told everybody, so if you see a, a, a bunch of people come all of a sudden to Monica Chambers, well, you share it with, you, with your husband, right? I mean, so y'all share one. But she talked about this thing that you posted this past week that said uh, that we repent enough to be forgiven, but do we surrender enough to be changed? I just love that. I, so I've said it over, over in my mind so that I can memorize it. And really that's what I want to talk about today is how does God change us? So if you just look up the word transformation, it says it's like this, you know, complete change in the appearance or character of something or someone. So I, I was here, now I'm here. I did look like this, act like this, talk like this, but now I'm different. I can remember when I was in college, I lived one way, not proud of it, and 10 years later, they asked me to come back and speak at a, uh, an alumni thing, and the guy who introduced me, his name was Tim Lee, and he said, for those of you who know Rick Hazlip, this is the new Rick Hazlip, and there are some people like, yeah, right, and others were like, yay, finally, there's some transformation, right, and so when you look back at your past and who you've been and who you were, there may be some things that embarrass you and some things that say, man, I wish I did, I wish, oh boy, if I could have seen then what I know now, I would not have lived that way, talked like that, acted like that, so, so transformation, but today we're talking about more than just being transformed, we're talking about spiritual transformation. What God does from the inside out, a lot of what uh, was talked about last week. How can God begin to change in me my attitude, my speech, my behavior, everything so that I reflect the goodness of God? Jesus, Matthew 5, 48, be ye perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so he's like calling us into this holiness and he's warning and God is like I'm, I'm not going to leave you if I begin a good work in you I will complete it I will bring it you know to the day of Jesus Christ I'm going to stay with you all the way through that process so I talked about this I thought about it thought about it thought about it thought how do I want to do this and uh, I debated back and forth but I decided I'm just going to go ahead and do something here at the beginning of our message Vic you got your guys ready I want to hand you something it's a toy and I know that once I hand it to you, once they give you one, go ahead and give everybody one, you might spend more time playing with the toy than listening to my sermon. 
And, and if so, then it's okay. It's going to come in the shape of a, of a little circle, a little orb, but it's called a Rubik's twist. And so all you have to do is just twist it, and you can make, you know, one long line, or it can bend and form into whatever you want it to bend and form. And so you have to, like, pick at one corner, one of them, because it's, a, it's in a little circle, you know, kind of like, like, like this. And so you have to pick it one side until you can pull it out. And then you can start turning it and just align the edges till they form a straight line. You getting it? If you, if you hand it to somebody, if you can't, some of you are going to just pick at it and pick at it and finally you're just going to pull it and break it. You know, you're just going to be like, I give up. And so I give you permission. Some of you are taught really well by your parents. Listen, don't, don't play with things. Put it down until he gives you permission. You have permission. And so you can go ahead and just start moving it, twisting it. And this is what I want to say to you. What you hold in your hands is just a symbol. It's just a toy. And, uh, it's, it's, but it's your life. And it starts, you know, in the womb. And then all of a sudden you start growing and stretching. And now you get to, you get to shape that into whatever you want. What would, you, what would you make with what you're holding in your hand? The more you get to know it, the more you get used to it, the more you straighten it out, what would you shape it into that would be a reflection of who you want to be or your life? What kind of image? If you're a student and you spend all your time in the desk, you may shape it into a desk or a chair. You know, if you're flying through life, you may make an arrow or an airplane. You know, or a house. I spend all my time at home doing laundry. We'll make a house. You know, so what do you, what, but you get to shape it into whatever you want. Now, three things as you're going about that. This verse of scripture in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8, 19, and 20, Paul said this. Paul started this church in Galatia. But he said, my dear children for whom I'm again in pains of childbirth, look at this line, until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. He's like, I started you down this journey and I helped shape Christ in you and I stayed with you until your life started transforming into the image of Jesus Christ. And then I left you. And now when I get the news about you, I'm finding out that you've, you've turned away from the faith. You've turned into something different. You're looking for a different source to find life and encouragement and help. And he's like, I feel like I need to go back into more pain with you. More, I feel like I've got to come back again and help Christ to be formed back in you again. So if we're going to be formed into the image of Christ, there are three things I want to share with you. Number one, realize that it's a process. Realize that transformation is a process. In this verse of scripture, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is sharing with the church in, in Corinth a, a little bit about what happened with, with Moses. And this is what he said to them. We, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, and here's the process, are being transformed into his image, Christ's image, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the work of God in you. And so the more you surrender to God, the more Christ can 
can be reflected in your life, the more you can transform. But it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Being saved can happen overnight. Jesus, you cry out to him. I need a savior. I want you to be my Lord. I surrender, man. You, God will save you, you know, instantly. But then this transformation, helping us to get rid of the things in our life that we don't need, add into our lives what we do need is a process and a lifelong journey. Amen? So then number two, we need to determine what needs transforming. We need to sit and ask ourselves, what is it about me that I need to surrender? What part of my life? Maybe it's anger issues. I get angry so fast. What do I need to, to see transformed in my life? Now, I chose a verse of scripture from David You just in, in Psalm 16. And, and I love what he says here. He says, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one to ride in the grave. What he's saying is, you started something in me and you're, you're not going to stop until you change me. You're not going to leave me to rot in this life because you want me in heaven. And so he says, you will, look at this, show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. God's like, I'm going to partner with you and I'm going to point out things in you that don't look like me. And together, we'll work on it. Isaiah 1 is great about that. Verse 16, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. And it's just like this part, the gentleness of God. Romans chapter 2, the kindness of God leads you to repentance. And so God will show you what needs to be transformed. And then number three... We need to ask ourselves, what prevents transformation? Why is it taking so long? What's keeping me from really being transformed into the image of God? Now, in this passage in Jeremiah chapter 8, and I memorized it out of the New American Standard, and so I'm going to, that's what I'm going to quote. It's different from the words on the screen. But this, God is crying in this passage of Scripture, and it, it just made me, when I was reading it for the first time, it made me stop. Because he's like, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. My people cry out, we're not saved. And he's like, for the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. God said, I mourn and dismay has taken hold of me. Then he asked these rhetorical questions. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there not a physician there? Then why has not the hurt of the daughter of my people been restored? And what, what he's saying is this. Is there not a bomb in Gilead? That's what Gilead was known for. Of course there was a bomb in Gilead. Are, is, are there no physicians who can help heal people and, and transform them? Yes, they're everywhere. Then why is no healing taking place? In other words, God is saying, have I not given you everything you need for life and godliness? Have I not given you exactly what you need to see your life being transformed in the name of Jesus Christ? Then why are you not doing it? And God's like, it tears me up because I see you hurt. I see you, I, I, I see you wearing yourself out. I see you crying out for me. And I'm right here, available to you. What's taken so long? So I want to speak to you today. I really I just want to speak to you as your pastor. 
anytime uh, an organization, and I was trained in organizational development in college, and so it's it's the and and sociology, so it's the lens through which I see everything. But every now and then, I'll just pause and sit back and just ask, okay, what is the net effect this organization is having on its people? And so anytime you, you do, we call it a gap analysis. This is our current state. This is our ideal state. And what does it take to move us from here to here? The middle, that piece in between is the gap. And so we do a gap analysis. Well, where are we? And so in the last month or two, if I've been talking to you in any kind of way, I do this in our small groups almost every week. And I, I've just been asking this question. Do you find that life is really, really busy? How many of you would say yes? I'm asking, do you, do you feel like you're trying to crowd in way too much stuff into your life? How many of you, just raise your hand, let's just see a show of hands. How many of you would say, you know what, I am tired a lot of the time. Just raise your hand. Just busy, 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 busy. I'm finding this to be true a lot we sat down and looked at how many of our people, how many of our members, we call them dream team members. This is a unique phrase for volunteers, people who are serving and working the out front in the coffee house, in the nursery, in the children's area, in the student ministry, cutting grass, all the things that we do. Small group leaders, hosting small groups, uh, growth track, uh, lift ministry out in the community, shepherding ministry, the 21 couples who are doing that. And we found, you know, about 150, 135 to 150 of our members are involved and serving and serving. And a lot of members are doing multiple things. Yep, I'm a small group leader. Yep, I'm a shepherd. Yep, I'm working in this ministry. Yep, I'm down serving coffee. And so we're finding that a lot, especially of our key leaders, are worn out. And it's made me think that as a pastor, I haven't done a good job of helping us to find rest in the and so today, this is what I want to say about this. We can spend so much time trying to make this into something, trying to make our life into something, that it overcrowds the Word of God. And I tune out what God wants to say, and I just keep working on my life. If there's ever a time to put this down and listen to the word of the Lord, it would be right now. I want to speak to you something that God has put on my heart to share with you. On the back of your outline, it begins to talk about what's the beginning point of transformation. And today I want to talk to you about a Sabbath rest. Now the Sabbath, for those of you who have been around and you've studied the difference in the old law and the new law and the Hebrew way and the way of the new covenant, you know that God set in place a lot of stuff in Ten Commandments and one of those was remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It started from the very beginning of your Bible in Genesis chapter 1. You know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and Life was, you know, it wasn't over the face of the deep. How many years happened between verse 1 and verse 2 in Genesis chapter 1? We don't know. Millions, trillions, but who knows? But once God said, let there be light, something happened. And God started forming day and night, sun, moon, stars, universe. 
and, and, and then he carved out the sea and the mountains and rivers and streams and water and then plants and animals and all this, and, and, then, and then all the animals and then on day six, us. And what's really unique about all that is he did all of that in six days and then what does the Bible say he did on the seventh day? He rested. Now, if you have your Hebrew Bible and you start reading out of the Hebrew because some of our newer translations don't catch this one little phrase that is really, really important into the rhythm of life that God set. So I'm going to read from the English-speaking Hebrew Bible. But Genesis 1, verse 31 through chapter 2, verse 2. God saw that he, all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And the heaven and the earth, look at these two words, were finished. And all of the host of them. Now, I need you to see what he just said. The heaven and the earth and everything in it was finished. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. Well, if everything was complete, what work did he have to do on the seventh day? And on the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. So if you go back, and I do, a, you know, I'm a pastor, so I do these kind of things. I just love doing all the research. And so I went back at all of the Hebrew of all what the Jews would follow in Judaism and I just started looking at all of the dynamics and every time Passover comes around every time the Sabbath comes around they say what did God do well he made the world and he made a man and then he made the Sabbath to bless man and then what did he do after that which is next week's lesson he made a ladder to bring man home we'll talk about that next week it's in reference to Jacob if you just want to go and start reading. So here, here's the dynamic. God made everything. He made all the world. He made the way it should function and work. And then he made all the animals and plant life and all that. And he made you and the way you should work. But on the seventh day, he made rest. And, and, and this Sabbath rest is, is different from Hey, you have nothing to do for five hours, curl up with a blanket and something to drink and binge watch episodes of Friends. That's not what he's talking about with rest. He's not saying, hey, you know, I'm just going to take a nap or I'm going to, now I get to watch a bunch of TV. Rest, the word for the Sabbath rest, means peace, harmony, happiness, no strife. So this is what God is saying. I made the way that you should work in six days. But on the seventh day, I created space to bless you. And if you spend your life busy, 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 you're going to miss the blessing that I have for you. Because unless I can get you to be still and be with me, you're not going to get it. And his blessing and his healing and his happiness 
and, and no strife. The peace of God is found in the rest of God. So I get this a lot with people like, man, I need a blessing from God. I need a blessing from God. I need a blessing from God. And I'll ask them, how much do you rest in the Lord? And they don't even know what I'm talking about. And it's like we're always wanting to be blessed by God, but we're not wanting to spend time with God, and that's where the blessing comes. And so today, I need you to listen. Even as an organization, we've crowded so much stuff in that we have not allowed enough room for the blessing of God. And I'm sorry. So today... I don't want you to hear this message this way. Not only do you need to be pursuing excellence and everything else in your life, in your home and in your marriages and with your children and in your jobs, but I need you to learn how to surrender and pursue a holy relationship with God. I need you to add one more thing onto an already overcrowded plate. Not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. I need you to take some things off of the agenda. And as an organization, we're going to take some things off your plate. And we're going to create space. And what I want you to do with that space is spend a Sabbath rest, a blessing with just God. Now let me show it to you theologically, and i got to do it quickly, okay? So learn the blessing of God. Number two on that, on your outline, it says remember and keep the Sabbath. Now these words, remember... And this word, keep, uh, very important. In, in Exodus chapter 20, he says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, sanctified, set apart. And, and then he goes on, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Next week, I'll spend more time doing this. He's really not talking about a day. Now, the Hebrews did it on Saturday, the Sabbath and then once Jesus died and was resurrected on Sunday morning, we have been celebrating his death, burial, and resurrection every Sunday, which is why we gather on Sundays. But even, even Jesus, when he was like, you know what? Um, I didn't keep the Sabbath the way that the, everybody thought that I should keep the Sabbath. Did you ever see Jesus break the Sabbath when you're reading stories, yes or no? So was breaking the Sabbath law a sin? <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was, according to what they wrote. And they had 619 rules. And they had written rules, and they had verbal oral rules, oral laws. And if you broke any of them, you were sinning. And so Jesus came. Look at what he says. Go down to the one in Matthew, I mean, Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath wasn't made to meet the needs of the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. What he's saying is your your version, your vision, your idea, your perception of what the Sabbath is all about is wrong. Because one of your laws says, well you can carry one olive's bulk of food, but you can't carry two or you're breaking the law. You can get up in the morning by sitting up out of your bed, but if you take your hand and you push it down and you push yourself up, you've broken the law. And Jesus is like, you have missed the whole point. Why did you get that oxen out of a ditch on the Sabbath, Jesus? That's wrong. 
Why did you heal that blind man on the Sabbath? That's wrong. Just like because your perception of what God wants on the Sabbath is wrong. You're, you were not created to meet the needs of this organization. This organization exists to help meet your needs in the Lord. And if ever we get that backwards, we've lost it. And what Jesus is saying is the Sabbath was meant for you to remember and keep. And it's like remember and keep is like make a note of this. Put on your to-do list, schedule time, and whatever you do, don't break it. Time with God. Time alone with God. And keep it. And if you do, God will bless you. And if you don't, he won't have the room to bless you. You have decided to replace him with something else. Now, he'll let you, but you won't be able to do it for long. Because if you stay busy, 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 God will shut you down. You will get sick. You will oversleep. Something will happen, and he'll stop you until... Your heart wasn't made for it. Your body wasn't made for it. Your life wasn't made for it. Your emotions weren't. You were meant to rest in the Lord. And so in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share more about what that means because I'm not talking about a day of the week. I'm talking about a dynamic. And if you do, I love what Isaiah 58 says, the Lord will be your delight. And, and this is just kind of a promise of the Sabbath, the idea of the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's day, as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. Don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. And he's just saying, if you'll meet me in the holy place, if you'll meet me in the resting place, I will delight your soul. I'll feed you and speak to you. I'll bless you in greater ways than you can imagine. And if you don't feel blessed by God, it's maybe because you've crowded him out. Now, you can make your life into anything you want. I'm going to encourage you to make something that will reflect the things of God. Can you make yours? And I know yours is only eight inches and I got a longer one, but it's, if it forms the same way and yours will do it, can you form it into a cross? Teddy did. Lori has. Good for you. Way to go. And so I'm just going to ask you, what would intentionally shape it to the form of a cross so just really start in the middle at the bottom and just start there and then just bend one side down and you know just keep working with it and you'll you'll see that slowly by you know, little by little you'll be able to start making it into a cross and it won't take you long to figure it out but it'll have to be intentional while you do that I want you to listen to me on November the 10th, 
It's Orphan Sunday. One church, one voice, one mission, one purpose, rescuing the hurting children in our community. And we're going to have a fun project that you can participate in. We have 50 families who are doing foster care in our community, and we're going to provide 50 different Thanksgiving meals for those families, and you get to participate. Some of you may want to help purchase the meal, or small groups may want to get together and purchase a meal for a family. Others of you will get to deliver it to these homes, and it's going to be a lot. We're just going to give away and bless all these families. But we're meeting as one church on that day, one service, 10 a.m. on Orphan Sunday on November 10. And after that Sunday, we have decided, your elders have decided, and as your shepherds begin to talk more about it, and staff, we have decided that we want to, as a church, continue staying one service. Instead of a 9 a.m. service and an 11, we're going to have one 10 a.m. service for everybody. And we're going to create a time for a season of Sabbath rest for the people of God in this place. This will reduce in half the work, the labor for all for 80 volunteers every Sunday, including some of you. And so we're going to and we're going to do that through our 21 days of prayer in January. So from November 10 through January, and I need to say at least through January, because what we're going to do is we're just going to keep praying and talking, and if it's being a blessing then we may continue it until we intentionally go back, you know, to two services. And I've talked to Amy, who helps us with all of our events, and I've asked her to cut back half of our events and to focus on three things. What will draw us closer to God, what will draw us closer to our families, and what will help us be more intentional in our community. And so, we're going to create a Sabbath rest. And I want you, I want you spending more time with God and listening to what he has to say to you and to your family. And here's one thing you can do to begin. How do I spend time with God? So we'll start slow. Don't, so go to your calendar and take something off. I'm going to spend three hours watching this game. Spend two hours watching the game and spend 30 minutes alone doing something well how can you do that well just record it and you can skip out all the commercials and that's a blessing in itself right and take the additional time are you listening here's just one idea I want you to write a prayer for somebody in your life who you know really needs it it may be your neighbor across the street it may be your boss it may be one of your children it may be a spouse, it may be a good friend, but I just want you to write a blessing to them and just write them a prayer. Lord God, I can't tell you how much of a blessing Jordan has been to me. I remember the day when he modeled for me how to love your spouse unconditionally, how to fight for them, in the Lord I, was, I remember looking into his eyes and desiring to be a man like that 
Jordan, thank you for showing me the things of God. Thank you for showing me how to fight for what's important. You remember the day I'm talking about, don't you? You remember the moment. I do too. That's just an idea. This is what I, I believe I can promise you because God's promise is in it. If you'll be that intentional with God, write God a letter. Write it to someone. And if just spend the time doing it and then deliver it with, with the heart that you wrote it. And God will bless you. How much of a blessing from God do you want? The more time you create resting in the Lord, the more He will bless you. And you get to determine how much blessing is in your life. Let's go do that this week. Let's write one to God, and then let's write another one to our children. Let's write one to our spouse. Let's write one to our enemies. Maybe you can hold off on that one till the end of the week and start with something more fun.